This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello, welcome to episode 151 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan, and I'm joined today by Brady and David. In a shorter and sweeter pod this week, we've got a smaller agenda. We'll preview the Panthers' upcoming Wednesday primetime tilt with Appalachian State and also briefly peek at the Sunbelt basketball scene. But first, gentlemen, how are we doing today? Yeah, I mean, the one thing I wanted to mention was like, you don't know what your bye weeks are going to lead to, whereas like what you're going to get to watch. And this was a great bye week for Georgia State fans because it was maybe the best college football single day that there's been in several years. Um, you know, Tennessee beating Alabama, that TCU Oklahoma State game was a banger. Um, USC Utah late, if you're a night night owl like me, was great. Uh, James Madison, the ranked Sunbelt team, falls uh, to a team in the Sunbelt uh, that we don't need to mention. And I actually was pretty busy. Uh, I was working through Saturday. So I was kind of just peeking at stuff through the day. But I, I recognize this. I, I hope that everyone listening who had that bye week wasn't worried about a game they had to go to got to take in that college football because great slate of games. It really was. I mean, I did get to see some of that Stanford Notre Dame game, which obviously wasn't as exciting as the Tennessee Bama game. Why but... are you going into that one? <laughs> that, that one's to 16 14. Notre Dame loses a terrible game they shouldn't watch. David's leaning into the, the sicko <laughs> stuff. Like, who was watching that game? That's the thing, Brady. I'm the sicko. Like it ended on like a crazy stop. Like that. That's. I think there's an appreciation for your fifty-two forty-nine barn burners. But you know, dang it, sometimes watching good defensive struggles and bad offense can be quite exciting. Okay. And I guess play taps for the Atlanta Braves in 2022, uh, repeating as World Series champions was always unlikely. It's disappointing. I'm bummed on baseball, which works out fine because we've got a lot of college football and soon basketball to talk about. So I'm just kind of going to lean into that and just forget about baseball mostly for the next little while. And uh, we're on to 2023. Hey, I've been on to 2023 for like three weeks at this point, so <laughs> not much I can do there. Yeah, David's ahead of the game. Yeah, it was it was a great week uh, for college football this week. And uh, we got more coming up on Wednesday with App State. 7.30 p.m. on ESPN2. Panthers travel up to Boone, North Carolina to face the Mountaineers. So they're going to be resetting things after the bye week. Uh, Georgia State, again, 2-4, uh, and 1-1 one and one in Sunbelt play after a 41-33 to rivalry win over Georgia Southern in their last game on October 8th. The Mountaineers are 3-3, three and three, coming off of a surprising 36-24 to loss at Texas State their last time out. They're coached by Sean Clark and his third full season as head coach. He is 23-10 and 10 in Boone. App State has been one of the teams that have hounded Georgia State over their time in the Sun Belt. Panthers are 0-8 against them all time, still looking for a first victory in the conference matchup. So, gentlemen, thoughts about the Mountaineers? Yeah, so I guess the first thing to say, and this is kind of a part of the general point about App State, is 36-24 is kind of a misleading scoreline for that game. Texas State was up 24-0. App State got a, a field goal right at the half to make 24-3, threw a pick six on their first drive of the second half, and they made it close in the end, but Texas State kind of handled them, and that's notable because that just doesn't happen to App State. The other thing that doesn't happen to App State is they don't lose back-to-back -back games very often. Uh, they lost back-to-back -back games last year in the conference championship game and in the bowl game, 
you have to go back a little bit further back for the last time that's happened before then. And so there is a certain part of this game for Georgia State where it's like you're catching a team that just doesn't lose games very much at all, let alone back-to-back times. At the same time, I feel like, you know, Georgia State has faced App State like when they're on their peak, feeling good about themselves. And they've proven that it doesn't matter. They still get up for those games, even when they are having things go well. And so when you're talking about it in terms of like, oh, maybe you're going to catch an angry App State or whatever, you kind of have to lean into maybe you're going to catch an App State still searching for things because I don't think you can, like you can twitch, twist everything into like, a, oh, Georgia State's playing them, playing them at a bad time, no matter what the circumstances is. And I think you have to at least allow for the other side of things that maybe it's a good time to catch them. I mean, it theoretically is going to be as hungry as they're going to be. They would drop to a losing record with this, which again, they just wouldn't allow for. Um, it would be the third home loss, which doesn't happen hardly at all. It hasn't happened since they've come to FBS. So certainly there's a lot of reason to think that App State's going to be making a recovery in this game, but Georgia State's going to have to look for some of the weaknesses that other teams have exploited and try and get this one. And I don't know about you, but I see a really glaring weakness for App State that I feel like I've kind of clued in on since that UNC game. There was a stretch in the UNC game where App State just was not running the ball effectively. And that felt like a weird, that feels like a weird thing to say because at that point in the game, I think they had a 75 yard touchdown. Noel scored. Um, you know, there was a big, big rushing play that they had. And, you know, in that game, they put up 288 rushing yards. That's good. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you that that's not good. Since then, App State has only rushed for over 200 yards once. And it was against Citadel. That's a little concerning. Obviously, they did play Texas A&M. They had 52 attempts for 181 yards. And, you know, the key in those types of matchups is, you know, you want to go slow. You want to control the line of scrimmage. And, you know, that's the game of inches that we always talk about. In their loss against James Madison, they had 63 rushing yards on 34 attempts. In their loss against Texas State, they had 41 rushing yards on 21 attempts. I have never seen an App State team rush this poorly. Like, objectively, they are not a good rushing team right now. Um, That should definitely concern them because their big calling card when it comes to controlling the line of scrimmage, when it comes to controlling the tempo of games, has been their ability to get both big chunk plays on the ground and just move the chains. If App State is not getting at least four yards a carry against Georgia State this week, that is a huge win for the Panthers. And yes, Chase Bryce is incredible. He has had a very good season this year. You know, he's definitely in the top in terms of the Sunbelt quarterbacks. Like, I understand that. The problem is, is he can't do it by himself. If if you're a defense like Georgia State, which has, I mean, you know, Kyle Ventry is the last time Georgia State's defense went out there. He also had a good passing game, but Southern couldn't really run the ball either. And that, you know, that hurt them. You you have to be multidimensional when you play a team like Georgia State. And I just I don't know that the way that the App State offense is going right now, if being able to throw 30, 40, you know, 50 times is enough to cut it against Georgia State. Yeah, it's it's weird vibes. Um, they haven't had a healthy white uh, running back room. Um, Cam Peoples has been in and out. He didn't travel to Texas State. Nate Noel, who I think is probably their best running back, 
uh, when everyone's healthy. He's been dealing with stuff, and I think he played against Texas State, but very short at the beginning, didn't stay the whole game. Um, and the other part of it is just the uh, the offensive line isn't what we've seen basically ever the year with App State. And kind of illustrating that point and adding on some of what you were saying, they're currently averaging 162 yards per game on the ground. And that is, as you laid out, some of that's a lot in some games, not so much in others. But 162 per game, something that maybe some teams you go, okay, that, that's fine. We'll work with that. App State has been under 200 yards rushing an average one time since joining the Sun Belt, and it was last year. And it was 192 yards a game, which is still a pretty acceptable amount to get for most teams. Like, it's just a hair under 200. This one is 30 yards under that. And so I think that is going to be the point of contention. And whether that's they get something going with their offensive line, whether that's going to be the extra couple of days helps them get either Peoples or Noel back to playable strength. That's what they're going to be going for. And I feel like we're going to see them come out and try and get that going. I, I don't think that it's going to be they come out and try and throw it 60 times, like try and change who they are. I think that they know whether they're playing Georgia State, whether it's you know any of the Sunbelt teams left on the schedule, they've got to get that sorted. And so I am expecting that far from abandoning it, they're going to have come in with a renewed purpose to try and get that going. And so Georgia State's definitely going to have to be ready for that. And the issue there is that they do have a quarterback that's able to hurt you if you're giving them time, if he's got options, if you're playing for the run and you know stacking the box and giving him matchups on the outside. And so it's definitely going to be a big day for the secondary, for the corners. They're going to get tested. Um, if App starts trying to maybe spread it out and have three receivers out there and you're having your safeties having to line up on guys in the slot, something to watch out for too because – you know, if someone gets a step, if if Chase Bryce's guy gets a step, he's going to make that throw, and they've done a good job. Um, there were some questions maybe going into the season after losing guys like Corey Sutton and Thomas Hennigan about what the wide receiver room was going to look like for App State, and the answer is that they're probably fine. I know guys like Christian Horn, uh, Dalton Stroman, Deshaun Davis, Caden Robinson, and their tight end, Henry Pearson, have been reliable guys for for App State for Chase Bryce to throw to. And so I think it's going to come down to how effective Georgia State is at stopping App State at trying to get that running game back on track, like you're talking about. I mean, it's what we know they've wanted to do. It's what they've been successful at doing. It's what they're going to have to be successful at doing to get to their goals, which you know, they have to win seven games and not six to get to a bowl this year because they had to switch Marshall out of conference game out for another FCS game. And so they have two games that don't count towards the wins you'd need to go to a bowl. One of the FCS games doesn't count towards the bowl games you can wins you can get to get to a bowl game. And so, you know, if they lose this one and they're at three wins with with five games left that count, no. Four games left that they can count. That's the situation where They've got to win three of those um, to get to bowl eligibility. And so, like, this is, like, dire situation for them. And But on the other side, Georgia State doesn't want to fall to two and five. Georgia State wants to continue the momentum, get to three and four. And, you know, that momentum would be important. You kind of laid out a, some of the scores from around the league, but, I mean, I don't think you even mentioned that Coastal loss. And, 
it, Coastal's sitting on one loss. They're tied in the loss column with Georgia State. So anytime that Georgia State can pick up a win and, you know, try to keep keep matching Coastal's record, that's good for Georgia State. That's what that's where the Panthers want to be. And you know, I, I know that I personally joke about this matchup all the time because it just kind of doesn't logically make sense how one-sided it's been. Um simply simply because there have been good Panthers teams like this has just been you know one of those teams where regardless of the quality of Georgia State App State has just been able to have Georgia State's number um but this is as good a time as any for them to actually come away with the win in this series and it, I mean it would be an important time too they're currently ahead of App State in the standings App State with three Sunbelt losses more or less ends their conference championship hopes you know and this is a season where one of the teams ahead of georgia state can't even go to the conference championship so you know anytime the georgia state can pick up a conference win is very important for those goals that they had yeah and you know you said coastal loss i mean odu hammered them in conway like it wasn't close and i i was a little bit suspicious just because coastal's been playing teams close and so i wondered if maybe they didn't go into a noon kick with the entire effort they needed to what ODU is going to do. But even I kind of circling that game, thinking something was maybe going to go off. I wasn't expecting that. And it kind of just leads to the general point that same with Georgia Southern beating James Madison this week. I don't think it's just a case of like anyone can win. It's like any given day, any Saturday, like all the Sunbelt teams can beat each other. I don't think the margin is that low. Like, obviously, ODU won pretty heavily because they just were significantly better on the day, but James Madison outgained Georgia Southern. There were some turnovers and sloppiness on their part, and they didn't convert on some fourth downs that could have helped them. Uh, One of the picks was in the first half when uh, James Madison was in the red zone. The other one was to finish the game, and there's another one mixed in there somewhere. But, like, they weren't that far off their game. Uh, Defensively, I'm sure there's a lot they'd want to clean up, but they weren't awful and they lost that game and that's kind of the thing is like i think that any given week and this applies to the georgia state app state game as well just you don't have to be that far off your game for the other team to be better than you on the day and we've seen that play out in in conference games and we've seen what some of the sunbelt teams have done when they've been playing teams out of conference and getting some pretty key wins for the conference and i just it we'll see uh, if someone like Coastal or James Madison continues to do what they did before this loss and gets back on track. But at least for this year, I'm kind of expecting just a lot of muck and cannibalizing. And that was my expectation going in and nothing in the results so far has taken me off of that. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like the West is just kind of, you know, okay, yeah, we're here, we're doing our thing. You know, South Alabama's five and one, got their first ever AP votes this week. Um, they're not ranked, but, you know, I think I saw that they got three AP votes. And, you know, Troy, Troy's one conference loss was that ridiculous Hail Mary to App State. Otherwise, they'd be four and four and oh in the conference. They're five and two, you know, then you have the rest of the West, whereas the East is just like, I don't know. <laughs> I think any of these teams can beat any of the other teams. And, you know, and we, we talked about, I, I think we talked about ODU either on the pod last week or just kind of off about how their offense is, you know, we had some questions about their offense and they ran all over coastal last week. And, you know, that's just kind of the way that the Sunbelt is going right now. I just anybody can have a good, a good Saturday and just find a way to compete and find a way to win. 
And, you know, offensively for Georgia State, I think it's more of the same what we've seen the last couple of weeks and what we saw over the large part of the winning streak last season where they weren't hurting themselves. They were moving the ball. They were getting some ground game going. And the additional thing this year was really opening up all the explosive plays in the passing game. You know, Boone is a tough place to play. The App State fans are going to be out there in the cold and the rabid atmosphere, national TV game. They know how important the game is. And so there's an environment to go in and adjust to. But as we've seen with the Georgia State team the last couple of years, if they're able to keep the mistakes to a minimum, namely the turnovers, but the penalties have been more of an issue this year than you'd be hoping for, then the offense has kind of gotten into a rhythm of humming and putting up points. And I'm looking for more of that. I think that's going to be, you know, it's all turnovers are always important, but in this game, in this environment, with app feeling the way they are, if you give an inch, if you get them a, you know, double digit lead early, they're going to pounce on that and they're going to feel that they're going to take that forward. And so finding a way to be the aggressors and also just keeping everything even keel, like it's a, a balance to strike, but it's like, you can't get too crazy and trying to, make every play a huge play, but you also want to find a way to get the momentum in your corner early. Um, I don't know. It, it kind of behooves Georgia state. If it plays out a little bit like it did the last time they played in Boone, the closest matchup in this series, 17, 13 app state win that Georgia state had the lead for much of the day. I feel like if it is more low scoring that plays to the advantage of Georgia state, and uh, it would just be, you know, limiting the possessions, making possessions count. And so in that regard, the thing that hasn't gone as well for Georgia State is just finishing off drives. Even in the wins the last couple of weeks, there's been some struggles with that. And so going to be kind of paramount to make any red zone trips you get count because there might not be that many. And you don't want to just rely on hitting the big plays offensively to get into the end zone. Hey, I'm glad that you mentioned the turnovers because that's another thing that App State has kind of struggled with. Um, they're in the they're tied for 11th in the Sun Belt in the turnovers that they have generated this year. They and it's mostly been fumbles too, you know. And I think of the two types of turnovers, fumbles can can be the more luckier of the two. You know, there's ball security questions random. from guys. Random. Yes. Yes. Random is a better word to say. And, you know, they've got six of them. Like, I'm, I'm not here to tell you that, you know, recovering six fumbles isn't good because it is good. But they only have three picks. And, you know, the difference maker in this series, at least the last couple of years, sometimes has been the corners. You know, Georgia State historically has struggled to throw the ball against App State. So if this is a situation where the cornerbacks are not as ball hockey as they have been, and with the way that Darren and the offense have improved, you know, the deep ball, just the passing in general, that can spell trouble, I think. Very much so can spell trouble for App State. Yeah, again, it just hasn't really felt like the App State defenses of old. Um, Steven Jones is one of the corners, and he's very good. He really showed up for the first time in, you know, at the level that he did last year. He went off. If he wasn't named to an All-American, um, it was like an honorable mention or something. It was for one of the magazines. Like, he got national acclaim for playing well. The thing that's made App State really so hard to beat defensively, or as a defense, is that they've usually had two or three guys like it was Sean Jolly and Shamar Jean Charles um, 
Clifton Duck before that. And I feel like the other parts of the secondary other than Jones are a little bit more young than they've been. They're still finding it out. And um, I don't know that, you know, that's something you can just bank on. Like, okay, it's less good. Um, You're going to have to find the matchups and guys are going to have to win on their assignments on the outside and get open. But that might be something you can let get. That might be something you can look at that maybe for the first time in a couple of years, you have those opportunities and it's not something where you have to completely abandon that. Because like you say, I think there's been some times where Georgia States had to resort to a lot of the short stuff. And even in other years, there'd be games where you could have some explosive plays in the passing game, just not to the extent that maybe we've seen this year, but in playing app, it's been a lot of taking what you're shown and what you're shown is always going to be this check down stuff or just the stuff that's not going to get you big chunks at a time. And, you know, UNC, we saw firsthand, they are a good offense. Drake May is a legit quarterback. So it's some of what they were able to do is just UNC having a really good offense. But in that game, they were getting some really big plays on that app state secondary and Georgia state doesn't necessarily have Drake may, but Darren Granger has shown he can make those throws when the guy's open. And we have seen all sorts of guys getting open. You know, we've seen the big three of thrash Lewis and cradle all making plays getting open. And so still going to be about the run game and getting the run game going. Um, Still going to be a challenge against this app state defense to do that because they like controlling both sides of the ball in the trenches, just like Georgia State likes to do. But if those opportunities come, yeah, if the situation allows, that might be something that in other years you wouldn't have looked at as a chance for Georgia State. And in this matchup this year, there might be something there. So we have one more item to discuss in this week's podcast, and that is the initial Ken Palm ratings drop. I'm going to go ahead and read those off real quick, uh, courtesy of Brady, who reported this earlier today on Twitter as of the recording of this podcast. So first place in the Sun Belt, according to Ken Palm and these initial ratings, JMU in uh, 127th place. Next up, Marshall, 140, Louisiana, 145, ODU, 165, Coastal Carolina, 176, Texas State, 178, App State, 197, Troy, 199, Georgia Southern, 221, USA, 222, Georgia State, 234, Louisiana Monroe, 252, Arkansas State, 273, and last, Southern Miss at 324. And uh, I know we've got some uh, opinions about this, but gentlemen, I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, so just to clear up a little bit, uh, that number is the ranking out of 358 or 359 now, a Division I basketball program. So not like a score per se, but like the ranking among all of the Division I programs. And it won't surprise you that Georgia State hasn't been that low in the Ken Palm ratings pretty much ever uh, since joining the Sun Belt. Uh, they've been usually in the, you know, if not in sneaking their way into the top 100 in like the 100 to 150 zone. And so I kind of was expecting a little bit of a drop off because you know, Jonas Hayes is a first year head coach. You lost a lot of production, a, a lot, a lot of production. And there's transfer that came in to fill that in. But when you're going at this this point of the season, just going off of these, this is just a model that Ken Palm runs. It's really hard to just project that out. Um, and another example, South Alabama is I think one spot higher than Georgia State in the Sun Belt. They've kind of done this 
a couple of times the last few years because Richie Riley likes bringing in transfers. And it's hard to project that at this point in the year before games have been played. But last year they jumped up over 100 spots in the Kempom ratings by the time the season ended. So I don't know that it means much in Georgia State's case, but I did find it interesting that, you know, you look at it, two of the, the three of the top four are newbies, James Madison, Marshall, and ODU on the top four. And then the top two are both the new schools. The Southern Miss is down in 14th. Uh, we'll see. They added some interesting transfers. Um, maybe they're not in the total basement, um, but it is going to be something. You know, we've seen ODU and Marshall got those out-of-conference wins in football. James Madison, obviously, until this week, were ranked for the first time undefeated in football, kind of making that early impression. Southern Miss beat Tulane in football, who's now ranked in the top 25 in football. Um, it feels like another sport where maybe you're going to see if these hold true to any degree, the new schools really coming in in year one and making an impact. And, you know, we remember Georgia state doing that in year one of the Sun Belt, And that was fun for a Georgia state for all Georgia state fans. And so I, it's interesting, you know, the, if it plays out like that, really credit to them for having these moves play out when they did, because nothing better than joining the new conference and feeling like you're one of the top two teams in a couple of different programs, a couple of different sports. It is interesting because Ken Palm actually increased his ranking of the Sunbelt conference this year, which I'm a little surprised by. I definitely thought that at least going into this season and the way that we kind of project some of these schools that that was going to bring the Sunbelt ranking down. And, you know, I, I think I, there's going to be good basketball played in this conference. Like, I, I don't think it's going to surprise anybody how many good teams or, you know, where some teams are by the end of the year. But I thought that there were some other conferences who, you know, didn't have the, these types of home, you know, home run additions. And, I'm surprised that they're 15th. I can say they were 17th at the end of last year, um, the Sun Belt, and you know I we've talked about it for years. The Sun Belt should continue to try to raise their basketball ceiling, raise their basketball floor. You know, I mean, there's always comparisons with like Conference USA, and Conference USA is 11th right now, but Conference USA is also losing a lot of schools, and you know it'll be interesting to see where kind of those departures, where those schools that departed conference USA ended up at the end of this year. But as far as Georgia state's ranking, I went back to look to see what Georgia state's ranking was before coach Lanier, uh, first game. Um, and it was 89, which, you know, obviously the 80, 68 teams make the NCAA tournament and, you know, blah, blah. But that was interesting to me because I figured it would have been the same level of drop off as this one but then to your point there is just so much uncertainty on this team that i understand it and i don't know it's hard to project georgia state right now first year coach you know an unproven offense unproven players none of this is to say that i think that georgia state is going to be in trouble this year you know like i think they're going to be fine and i i think it's okay that they're not seen as the best team in the sun belt not because oh there's a chip on their shoulder or anything like that but i mean there are some really good teams ahead of them some teams that are returning talent in a way that georgia state isn't even returning talent so that matters that absolutely matters 
Yeah, we'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, Ken Palm, for those who don't, haven't listened to the pod before or whatever, we'll probably refer to it pretty constantly during a basketball season. Um, it's just a analytical look at every team. You can see a lot of good data and it's a living document. And I think it will be the case that if a couple of games go as we may be expected to go for Georgia State, from our expectations, that number will shoot up and Georgia State will no longer be 11th out of 14 in the Sun Belt, which just feels wrong. It just it feels wrong based on what we know. I feel like there's a good chance that that could be the case for them. And for a team like South Alabama as well, for the reasons that I laid out, they're kind of in the same boat as they usually are with the key transfers making up some big addition to the team. And so leaving the model a little uncertain. But we will certainly get a glimpse of what is to come when Georgia State plays their first games. 15, as we're recording this podcast, we're 15 days away from them playing Morehouse in the exhibition. And not that long after, they're going to be playing games that count and lots of chances to see the team in the Convocation Center. Going to be a lot of fun to see this year one of the Jonas Haysboro for sure. All right. We will see how that plays out when basketball season starts, but we do have more football to get through first. Uh, of course, App State, Georgia State, in Boone, 7.30 p.m. ESPN 2 on Wednesday evening. Catch your Panthers, and uh, we will, of course, be talking about that game in the next edition of the Thursday Night Podcast, which will be released on Thursday uh, over a week and a half from now. So a little bit of a long time, but we'll be back at it then, and hopefully we'll have some good news to report. So until then, have a good week, and go Panthers!